Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Adventology. I am so excited that we are off and running with our new season of Adventology. And uh, today we have with us special guest, Bill Knott, who is the executive editor of the Adventist Review and Adventist World. And uh, many people don't realize this, but the Adventist Review is the oldest and most widely distributed journal of the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, uh, you know, so if you go back into Adventist history, um, this was the very paper that uh, James and Ellen White founded um, soon after they got married, and uh, God gave Ellen a vision concerning this, uh, this paper, and it's been a vision that has inspired me as well, because obviously when she um, was given the vision, it applied directly at that time to um, the paper that eventually became known as the Review and Herald. But uh, let me just read you the quote, and, uh, and it's found in Life Sketches, one of her journal's entries. And it says here, at a meeting held at Dorchester, Massachusetts, November 1848, I had been given a view of the proclamation of the sealing message and of the duty of the brethren to publish the light that was shining upon our pathway. After coming out of vision, I said to my husband, I have a message for you. You must begin to print a little paper and send it out to the people. Let it be small at first, but as the people read, they will send you the means with which to print, and it will be a success from the first. From this small beginning, it was shown to me to be like streams of light that went clear around the world. I love that because really what we're reading there is the beginning of the church's media ministry, and it began with paper and ink and uh, and the mail. And it just went out to whoever and wherever they could get the paper printed and sent to. That's what they did with the technology that they had at the time. And obviously, that paper in and of itself did not fulfill the vision that uh, she was given. Um, Obviously, the paper did go around the world. But the ultimate, um, I think, fulfillment of that vision is the media ministries that uh, continued in the footsteps of the Review and Herald. And uh, we we just have to look ahead. We had other periodicals and journals that came about. Eventually, we have Voice of Prophecy becoming one of the earliest uh, evangelistic radio um, shows that uh, began proclaiming the soon coming of Jesus. And then, of course, we had It Is Written, came along when TV was available, and then when the satellite was available, Mark Finley and others um, created this net series where it was downlinked to different sites all around the world, the same message being shared. And uh, and now we are full-blown into the digital age of media technology. And I believe uh, Adventology is really standing on the shoulders and and walking 
in the footsteps of these great pioneer ministries. So it was really exciting to be able to talk with the editor of the review, Bill Nott. I think you will enjoy our conversation, um, and I think you will get some resources that will support your walk uh, as you and I both are looking forward to the soon coming of Jesus. So um, without further ado, let's get right into the interview. Well, Bill, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Well, as well as anyone can be doing in a pandemic when you don't get out to see your friends and your family as often as usual, uh, I'm doing well. Otherwise, our health is good, and we're just grateful for spring returning up here in Maryland right now. Amen. Yes, I uh, have to say I, I chuckle around this time of year when because I'm in Florida, and I know exactly <laughs> how life is up north. I grew up in Michigan, and I've been pastoring down here in Daytona Beach for about five years. And uh, so this is this is the time of year to visit Florida for sure. It is. <laughs> I, in fact, I was dreaming of that not long ago. But. <laughs> yeah, so what are you excited about? Yeah, obviously 2020 was, was the pandemic year, and I'm not sh- sure we're obviously out of that you know, kind of phase yet, but, but what are you personally looking forward to, um, this coming year? What's on the agenda? What are you, what are you excited about? Well, I, if all goes as some of the experts are projecting, there will be at least some limited opportunities to travel and to connect the dots with the ministry I lead, uh, in the latter half or maybe the last quarter of this year, at least, if that works that way, it will certainly be a joy again to see key people on our team who we have only seen on Zoom for the last year now. We've been working exclusively out of the office and in a digital uh, platform. And then uh, there are uh, lots of pieces of business in a ministry like this that require sitting at the same table. We work with people in many different cultures We work with individuals who share our faith background and some who have none. And we have a lot of business deals to contract together. And there are some of those that you can only really do while sitting at the same table in certain cultural environments. And so it will give me a chance to go back and do that. And then along the way, there are just lots of wonderful people that I get to meet. And my faith is strengthened when I get to see the the world of faithful people out there who, who love the Lord and are looking forward to his appearing. I totally agree with you, Bill. I think that is the, the one thing that I have missed is that, um, is that fellowship and that opportunity to meet new people, uh, especially that, uh, you know, and I think of the last time, really the last and first time I met you uh, was at the uh, event at William Miller's Farm in yes. October 2019. 19, so correct. it was pretty much one of the last big events that I attended before the, um, you know, the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, it was a, it was a great event. You know, we were, we were there. Uh, it was like a camp meeting style event and, and it was just a, a nice uh, reminder of our history and also a encouragement to, to look forward. So, um, you know, tell, tell a little bit about that event uh, that happened on, on William Miller's farm. We've talked a little bit about William Miller in this podcast and sure. uh, the, you know, obviously the event of 
October 22nd, 1844. That did not come to pass, but uh, talk a little bit about that event and and uh, just how that actually connects to the origins of uh, the ministry that you're a part of. Sure. Well, that day, as you remember, in October of uh, 2019 was particularly cold, It especially since portions of what we were doing were outside and hundreds of people gathered and they brought their winter gear with them too, uh, standing out there on what some people refer to as Ascension Rock, a place where it's likely that William Miller and a number of his friends gathered to wait for the coming of Jesus on that day in 1844, standing out there and standing on the rocks trying to keep my balance and make a presentation about what it was like for some of those early believers in the soon coming of Jesus, the ridicule they experienced, the uh, social pressure, the isolation that came to them because they were not conforming to their culture. In fact, many of them were taking steps that were directly countercultural, and they were reviled and laughed at and abused in the press, and some of them experienced physical assault. It something about the second coming of Jesus was deeply disturbing to the culture of America in the 1840s. I've read extensively in that as a historian, and it was somehow deeply troubling that all of this could come to an end quickly. Now, we know that Miller and his associates, we believe, got the date right, but the event wrong, meaning that they understood that Jesus would come literally to earth on the 22nd of October in 1844, when in reality, we have looked at the prophecies they studied and realized that the event being described was an event in heaven, was a ministry of Jesus, which actually ushers in the end times in which we live. So Miller was right on date and wrong on location, but his the impetus, the force, the momentum of that early group of Adventists who learned how to stand against cultural norms, how to withstand pressure, how to keep their faith, that's really the origin of the movement today that counts 23 million church members around the world in about 195 countries. And it's really what launched the the ministry that, that I now lead, quite literally the oldest thing in Seventh-day Adventism, the Adventist Review magazine. Yeah, and it's 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 cool because uh, I you were just describing that, and me and my family have just been recently watching the film Tell the World. Yes. And uh, it's a great resource if you haven't watched it. Um, yeah. It's really well made. It tells the story of, of early Adventism, of, of William Miller, and just the whole movement around him, and and right up to this uh, disappointment day on the farm that, that me and you were at uh, yeah. 175 years later, thinking about what they must have been feeling and looking forward to that time that we hope to happen in our lifetime as well. And that's really been the hope of the Advent movement for this whole time, is this belief in the soon coming of Jesus and the purpose of this podcast, uh, you know, be ready for Jesus. That That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And I know that's a lot of what fuels your ministry as well. So um, just share a little bit about your thoughts. Like how did, how did the Advent Review and Herald get started? And, uh, and yeah, you mentioned a few of the statistics, but just kind of talk about how and 
what it's become today. Well, you know, from that that experience in November 1848, it still took another eight months before that little paper got created in the summer of 1849. Uh, James and Ellen White were absolutely poor. (laughs) They were living with furniture that was made of boxes and boards. They were staying with relatives. James was mowing fields with a scythe to earn a little bit of money. It was not a good time for Ellen's health. They were beset with so many challenges, and yet That driving determination to publish a little paper brought out in July 1849 the first edition called The Present Truth. That's the same magazine today now known as the Adventist Review. It's gone through several name adjustments over time, but it is 172 years old this year. To my knowledge, it's either the oldest or the second oldest continuously published religious journal in North America. And uh, it, it, that long tradition can make some people say, well, it can't be relevant today. My favorite way of introducing the Adventist Review is that it is the oldest startup in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. <laughs> it was a startup. It was an innovation. It used the latest technology, which in the case of James White was a hand-pulled press in 1849. Uh, he went to a commercial printer in central Connecticut and got the first thousand copies printed that way. When a steam press became available about six years later, James White and other investors quickly grabbed that technology and they used it as much as they could. And if James White were alive today, he would be out there on the cutting edge of current technology. This magazine, this movement has always been not about print and paper. It's been about message and ministry and reach. In fact, Ellen White's crucial line that the message would go like streams of light clear around the world. Only in our age, Travis, only now with Internet connectivity that literally can have you and I communicating with people on the other side of the globe in live time, only now. Does that streams of light prophecy make complete sense? You couldn't have imagined it with print journals. I know because I distribute another magazine, 1.6 million copies every month, and I know how difficult it is to move print into many areas of the world. But now, with other kinds of media, her prophecy and that determined vision and innovation is really yielding fruit. Amen. Yeah, I think it is just... A like I was uh, thinking, it's just like a seed that was planted, and uh, and it started out with a trunk and and maybe one branch here, but the trunk just keeps growing and more and more branches keep popping out, and I truly believe we are living in the golden age of of uh, communication, evangelism, and opportunity to get the message out to the world, and uh, and so that's that's part of. Uh, of your ministry, and that's part of, uh, you know, the the ministry of the Review and Herald. Um, but you guys also are, you know, you, you do quite a, a few things now. It's not just producing <laughs> one paper. So share a little bit about, you know, some of the different things that, that you guys uh, do, ministries that you, you know, you, you guys provide, and, and how people can connect to those if they're not currently connected to um, some of the resources you guys are, are putting out right now. 
you know, this 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 begins at some point when the Lord gets into your life and changes your mind. And I'll have to say that's pretty much what happened about uh, six years ago now. I'm a print and paper guy. I was a lit major in college. I love books. I have thousands of books. I live in that world. And I'm also a historian trained uh, to study the past. And so it's very easy in that mindset to simply hang on to tradition. But about six years ago, the Lord began shaking up my life by bringing to me, with no previous knowledge, people who had deep skills and expertise in media I knew almost nothing about. I knew nothing uh, about uh, video development. It had never been part of my world, and yet the Lord brought to us individuals who had more than 20 years of commercial experience at the top levels of a number of broadcast channels and cable channels, uh, brought to us people who had led major commercial efforts in, in uh, user experience, brought to us people who had long experience in marketing and who had a savvy I was never going to acquire about the internet, about social media. It's been a process of me learning to let God do what God wanted to do, even where it wasn't a comfortable zone for me. I realized quickly, I didn't need to know what they knew. What I needed to do was to create a safe space for innovation and creativity in the world headquarters of the church. And to keep that funded, to keep that resource, to keep these individuals working at the top of their capacity. And I have watched this ministry just change dramatically because of what began as a change in me. Mm. Wow. So tell, I, tell about how that, how, how, what have you seen happen in, over these last six years then? Well, first we, we began moving aggressively into an online presence through the websites. We had existing websites for our two major print journals, Adventist Review and Adventist World, but they were primarily news oriented and reposting published print content. We began experimenting with web-only content, and a lot of it. And by the way, this pandemic has driven us to a, a much, much greater output and creative output for both those websites. But then began looking at other kinds of media. We developed what is today Adventist Review TV. In fact, that film you said you were watching, Tell the World, it's available to all your listeners at AdventistReview.tv. And there's a huge catalog of family-friendly Christian videos on demand, register for free, and you're in that family of hundreds of videos, including Tell the World. We developed Adventist Review TV and began looking at telling stories in non-print ways, <laughs> telling stories in the medium that best fit them. If it was a visual, why reduce that to somebody's skills with word pictures? Keep it visual. We began developing podcasts and have a healthy program there, including the weekly Grace Note series that I have been running for more than 10 years now. Um, we also developed the Adventist Review Media Lab, which works with augmented reality and virtual reality to create products for church institutions and ministries around the globe. Uh, these are not somehow people I knew and brought together. I literally have to say the Lord brought them to our doorstep. These were individuals, in some cases, I had never heard of before. 
And in a matter of about two and a half years, a team was built out of our headquarters in Silver Spring, Maryland, and Thorson's living and distributed literally around the world, who dramatically changed the profile of what Evidence Review Ministries is about. And today, it's truly a multimedia company and ministry, working on multiple platforms simultaneously and wherever possible, integrating those media platforms to give the same message to literally millions of people at the same time. Wow, praise the Lord. I didn't even know some of that information that you just shared. And so I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes. Um, You're going to give me those links. And so if you're listening, you can just like look down in the show notes of the description of this podcast, wherever you've downloaded it from, and those links will be there. You can literally connect right now to that some of those resources that Bill is sharing with us. I'm excited. And and I just think it's just this awakening, too, that has happened um, just with leadership in general. I mean, we've had a very traditional view of, of evangelism, and and there's been a, a an understanding that, you know, part of what we're doing now, we may not be able to see the immediate results like we could under more traditional formats, but what I've seen is that when people who are listening to this podcast or just in general listening and watching um, and reading all this information that is being provided out there, uh, it's giving them the opportunity to to connect with us on their terms. And they are connecting. I've had people reach out to me um, and uh, just out of the blue saying, hey, I've, I've been listening to this podcast and it's been a real blessing. I'd like to know more about your church. I'd like to... Yeah know more about your ministry. And uh, literally, people have um, showed up to our church um, after listening to episodes uh, of this podcast. So I know that's just one local ministry, one local podcast down here in Daytona Beach. I'm just one pastor. But but my thought is, man, when 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 people around the world and, and uh, people who believe in the soon coming of Jesus and, and see the signs of the times all pointing clearly that that day is near when when there's this this uh, this chorus of voices going out into the world uh, people are going to take notice and uh, and I truly believe that day is coming soon my son is a pastor in Dover Delaware and their church has an active Facebook presence and they have a live uh, video cast of their worship service every Sabbath morning at 11. Well, Evan, I have to say, is a good preacher. He's better at his age than I was at that age, for sure. And he he delivers compelling messages on Sabbath morning. And they're out there on Facebook. Well, in the last two months, I think it's three individuals who had no previous connection with the Dover congregation or the Seventh-day Adventist church stumbled across him preaching there on Facebook, became interested, started contacting the church, asked for Bible studies, and are now being prepared for baptism. Uh, who knew that that was going to be the result of simply being having a worship service on Facebook every week? Uh, every time we post, and we our ministry posts extensively on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, uh, hundreds of thousands of people around the world see content. We don't know how the Spirit is using that in their lives, but we know that God's economy never wastes anything. 
God makes seed grow. And the reality will never be fully known until we're in the kingdom. Amen. And, you know, when I go back and and I was just kind of inspired when I was preparing to talk to you today, uh, kind of going through life sketches and just started reading some of her other journal entries, because that's essentially a journal. Yeah, that, <laughs> and uh, and it's just like, wow, what were they willing to do just to get this message out to a few thousand people? You know, and the amount of effort it took just to get a thousand papers out um, yeah. in that first edition um, and how easy it is now for us. Uh, imagine if we had that determination and that that conviction that James had and Ellen had, um, and it was compelling us. I and mean, we have, like you said, so much opportunity and technology at our fingertips, but we are distracted, and um, it has been a hard year. I have to admit for myself, surprisingly, I, uh, you know, I, I, even with all this opportunity and technology, I went through a pretty severe depression yeah. in, uh, in 2020, particularly toward the end and um, and I'm actually just coming out of it. So uh, so I haven't even had uh, this is uh, one of our first episodes. We're starting the new season, but uh, we we kind of uh, stopped publishing probably back in early fall. And I've, I'm uh, now getting back into it because, uh, man, really it, is, it is just amazing how um, quickly, uh, you know, the, the disconnectedness. Um, and the loneliness um, really affected me as a pastor. And I know it's not just affected me. I know that the um, uh, the recent editions of uh, your publication um, and uh, and others like Ministry Magazine have been talking about yeah. uh, the mental health um, side effects of of the crisis, and so. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts, you know, because it's kind of a paradox, right? We're living in this unprecedented connectiveness because of technology, but we're also um, kind of experiencing this unprecedented loneliness as well. So what is a healthy way to use technology uh, during this time? And then what can't it replace? I spent the first half of my career as a pastor in local congregations across everywhere from Massachusetts to Washington State, Michigan, upstate New York. And I am still a pastor at heart. I just have a different kind of congregation now. And I speak in many times to a global audience in a variety of media. But I'm a pastor at heart. And I have this last year been deeply concerned about so many of my pastor friends. People ask me if I have a hobby and I tell them, well, actually, my hobby is talking with young pastors around the globe. And literally, I dawned on me the other day, I talked with young pastors on all continents right now, except Antarctica. And I do so at least every other week with each of them. Short conversations, time to talk and pray with them, because this has been a very difficult year for many of them. Everything you just mentioned, Travis, I have heard multiple times from persons, especially in ministry, who have feeling the pressure, the isolation, the sense that somehow that which gave them life before was gone. Their contact with people has been so limited. One of my favorite authors, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uses a line which, in summary, is this, a Christian will never be embarrassed 
for seeking the physical presence of another Christian. Mm. God made us to be persons in face-to-face fellowship. When we can't have that, we are deprived of something essential in our nature. We do the best we can. Podcasts, Zoom, social media, portal, face-to-face, Facebook, whatever we do, we try to connect. And I've encouraged many of the pastors I talk to, and I've written about this in editorials, and our team has published multiple pieces about this. This is a time when we each have to take what I'll call a kind of responsibility for building our own support circle. Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of weird because you say, well, shouldn't other people just naturally support me? They're all in the same boat. They're all feeling the same pain and isolation. And so one of the things I urge a number of young pastors I talk with, I say, look, you're at a time you're feeling isolated. I'm delighted you and I can talk, but that that's once every two weeks. How are you going to move through day to day? And I say to them, think back in your life. Think of the people you've been able to connect with spiritually. Where are they now? Classmates from college, people you went to seminary with, members of congregations that you felt, you felt a particularly powerful spiritual connection with. Go back and make contact with them now. Ask to pray with them on the phone. Ask if you can set up a prayer appointment every two weeks. This is how you build support into your own life and how you build support into their life. And in fact, every person I've recommended that to has come back to me the next week and said, Bill, I had no idea how hungry these old friends were to reconnect and how eager they were for us to talk regularly. It's a moment when people need each other. And right now, we each have to say to ourselves, who is my my network that I can resurrect to help me make it through until we're back in face-to-face connection? Amen. Yeah, I totally relate to that because that's actually exactly what I started to do. Because when I was, um, you know, just kind of really depressed, I mean, I was going through the motions that the things that I had to do, but I was not reaching outside of, of that little bubble that I was in. And, um, and about a month ago, yeah, I just started, I was like, man, I just need to just be proactive. And I did the very thing you said, I started calling people, calling mentors, calling classmates, calling just anybody that I knew that I felt like could give me a little bit of encouragement yeah. And uh, and I think that's not just for pastors, right? I mean, if somebody's listening oh, who's not a pastor, I mean, this applies to 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 everyone, right? And so we can't just sit behind the screen and watch and listen. That's great, but we also need to to connect to another human being, don't we? Absolutely, Travis. And in fact, I talk with our team regularly, and I remind them we have a task right now not only to communicate important truths, we have a task to get people through an unprecedentedly bad time, not only in their lives, but in the life of the world. Our job is to help get people through right now. And that doesn't seem like a very lofty goal compared to all of the things sometimes we want to talk about, but it's what's really needed right now. Our, the media that we create, they are not about things we think are interesting or things we'd like to talk about. In the last many months, they've been about how do we help people find connection? How do we help them find an anchor in their lives? How do we encourage each other? I got to tell you, my phone lights up probably 10 or 12 times a day with friends around the world 
who say, hey, Bill, I, I seem to remember that you've got a really big committee today. Is that right? I'll be praying from 1.30 to 3.30 during your big committee today. Let me tell you, that has carried me through many difficult days. The knowledge that there are people praying for me who are remembering me to the Lord. It's not just what I give. It's what I get to receive when this network of praying, supporting people. Uh, This morning, I saw messages from uh, Brazil and South Africa and talked with people in England and uh, have messages from Romania. These are people I interact with and pray with. And it's not just about things I invest in them. It's about the enormous encouragement I see when I hear about their faith and what God is doing in their lives. Our ministry, everything we do at Adventist Review Ministries, in print and audio and TV and video and social media, on all the platforms, it's really about getting people through a really difficult time. Yeah, and I would say that too to to our listeners. You know, it's great um, to to connect um, and to a lot of these uh, great resources that are out there. But this, what we're describing now, is that is the real value that church membership provides. Like being a part of a of a group of believers. Uh, you may not have grown up in the church, and you don't have connections all around the world from people that you went to school with or and conferences you've attended, but there is a local church in your town that yes. you can connect to. And, uh, and we really want to encourage that, right, Bill? We want to encourage exactly. people to, 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 to not just listen and learn, but to, but to get that human connection uh, because it can really lift you up when um, you're, you're down and, and when you're feeling like a little anxious because of everything happening in the world right now. You know, the Holy Spirit, when, uh, when he grows the seed in every life, he also plants that person in a culture, in a place where they can flourish. He surrounds them with other people who can share the life together, can walk together. One of my favorite images from scripture is the story of the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. It is, for me, kind of the the story that so much symbolizes what I think about what church means. Think of the facts in my very short summary. On a day in which these disciples were devastated, it's Sunday afternoon. They haven't heard the reports that, that lifted a little bit the hopes of others. They're discouraged. They're leaving Jerusalem as far as they know. Jesus' body has been stolen and thrown in some Jerusalem garbage dump. But they do something crucial. They agree to walk together toward a destination. Mm-hmm. It says in the text, in fact, that they were there was some conflict between them about what what it all meant. They weren't necessarily in perfect agreement, but they made an important covenant. They said, let's walk together. Let's go this place together. And how does the story end? Two people start walking together. And the Lord shows up and their lives and the life of the Christian church was forever changed. Jesus had promised wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And there he was on that road in the midst of them. It was his first opportunity to keep the promise that he would always be there in with his presence. And so he was their lives were dramatically changed. They said their hearts burned within them. 
and they became effective missionaries because they had had that experience of walking together. Well, that's kind of what our ministry tries to do right now and what I try to do as an individual, walk with people. It's mm-hmm. not a very exalted thing. Simply journey with them. Pick up the phone and say, how are you doing today? How can I pray for you? Here, pray for me about this. That simple gesture, that opportunity is what we try to do in our media, what I try to do in my own life, and it brings enormous blessings back to me as well. Amen. Yeah, and I think that it really resonated with me last year when you guys started publishing that series, The Church I Want to Belong to. And it's funny because we had Jared Thurman on, uh, I think, last spring. And, uh, of course, he... I believe he was the inspiration, his sermon for that series. I could be wrong, but he preached a sermon uh, about, you know, the church I want to belong to is terrible. (laughs) And uh, it was kind of like, whoa, a lot of people uh, got a lot of people's attention. Um, But it wasn't just a rant about a a millennial, you know, discontent with, with the church. It was in reality kind of a longing for true... Um, communion, yeah. true fellowship, and the true purpose for the church to to really be be lived out and and to be fulfilled um, today and and so I I think that the church does get a lot of bad press. I think we can see that unfortunately, um, and sometimes it's connected to politics in an unhealthy way. Sometimes uh, leaders are connected to immoral practices that that. You know, obviously, we think of Rabbi Zacharias, the most recent one, but yes, just yes. lots of. But that's nothing new. I mean, that that tends to happen on a fairly regular basis. That that those types of of, of stories come out, and it can discourage people and to think maybe there isn't a church that is going to be good for me. There's not one that I can belong to. So, talk about that series a little bit, and just kind of like you know. You know, what is your hope? How, how do you still find hope in the church? A little bit of backstory to how that series came about. You're correct in identifying Jared Thurman as one of the really key inspirers of that. I had flown down to Atlanta to spend a day thinking and praying with him. He's a trusted counselor in my life. And we were literally sitting in the Atlanta Aquarium and watching hundreds of school children make the rounds in that gorgeous facility. And Jared turned to me and he said, Bill, what is it you really want to talk about in the next 18 months? And I gulped for a moment and I said, I want to talk about the church I want to belong to, the one that I can see out there in prospect, and the one we could grow into but perhaps we're not making a lot of progress toward it. I want to lift people's vision to that kind of fellowship. And he said, go do it. And we did. We went back and talked with our entire team across all our media platforms, and we began coordinating what turned out to be a 16-month series. And it dealt with almost every imaginable topic. The church I want to belong to is safe. And we talked about what it means to be safe as a child, as a woman in a congregation. We, We talked about uh, the church I want to belong to is ethical. What does it mean to to develop ethical leadership and to have ethical expectations of those who serve our congregations? We talked about the church I want to belong to is fearless. How do we move confidently out into our culture? We talked about being mission-minded. And then, of course, there was that sermon that came 
in partway through that series that Jared preached, in the church I want to belong to is terrible. It wasn't actually an attack on the church. He's drawing on that famous passage of the church looking as an army terrible with banners, meaning powerful and confident and mission-minded in the world. And you know, publishing that series was a real lift to our team because every week on all our platforms, we got to deal with the most inspiring ideas about what Adventist congregations can be and should be. Um, God saw to it that millions of other people were blessed by that series as well. And it, for us, it was a great inspiration. It brought us right through um, most of 2019, and then we have worked on several other thematic areas at the moment. We are getting ready to launch a new series that I'll tell you more about in another episode of this podcast. <laughs> well, great. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of those uh, those published um, yeah. uh, journals that, that go through that series, how would they do that? They can write to um, editor at adventistreview.org editor at adventistreview.org and they will be get put in touch with our correspondence editor who can help them locate or ship to them copies. All of that material, however, is also available online. So if you, if a person went to adventistreview.org or adventistworld.org, either of those two URLs, and type in the church I want to belong to, you're going to see dozens and dozens and dozens of entries, 16 months worth of content, all there, top quality, great graphics, audio, video components. Uh, it's an entire package that will, I think, have a long shelf life because it wasn't only speaking to the moment, it's speaking to the future of the church as well. I agree. I mean, I can imagine the church I want to belong to conference or something like that, you know, after this <laughs> pandemic is over, we can come together because I, that's what I hear over and over, honestly, on social media, it's gripes, but I think they're gripes because they, they long for more. And, and I just, you know, the ones that get the most likes seem to be the ones that are critical, but we have to look past that and realize that the, the root of that, that tweet or that Facebook post is a longing for a better church. And, uh, and sometimes the wording is a little bit, you know, not the best. And I have to admit, I sometimes cringe at some of the stuff. But it, at the heart, I think they would, if they didn't care, they wouldn't post. And, um, and so we have a, a lot of young people out there who are longing for a church they want to belong to. And, um, and so when we, you know, I guess as we're kind of wrapping up this episode, um, how how does all this help people to be ready for Jesus? You know, they, you know, how, how does being part of a church, how does, you know, connecting to some of these resources that we've talked about, um, how, how does all this help in that process? Jesus said that he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Uh, that is a central promise of the Christian faith the abundant life, the whole life, the healed life, the repaired life, not only waiting for heaven where that happens, but here and now living to the best of our health, in the best relationships, in the strongest marriages and families, in congregations that love and support each other, 
All of that is part of the vision Jesus cast when he said he had come to bring us an abundant life. We look at the ministries that we work with. We look at all of this as getting ready, yes, for a a transition from earth to heaven one day soon. But as Ellen White said many times, heaven begins here, meaning the experience, the joy, the fellowship, the friendships, the support, the encouragement, the experience of grace. Those aren't reserved for some future day in the by and by. They begin now in the life of of a dedicated and consecrated group of people. I'm blessed to be in that kind of a group, people who love and support each other. And I've made it a life mission to try in my personal ministry and in the ministries I lead to, to bring that together. Getting ready for Jesus means living the abundant life now, not only about shaping up our behaviors for some future date, but our behaviors being changed and shaped because we are in contact with other Christians who are growing along with us. That's the church I want to belong to, and that's the ministry I want to lead, and I have the privilege right now of doing both of those. I am inspired, and I think, like you were saying before, sometimes just having a conversation with someone like we're having now, obviously we're recording this, but they don't have to be recorded to be... you know, something that is uh, meaningful and, and and helpful in our lives. And so, uh, but it's true, we, we, we get to share our own hopes, we get to share our own visions, and, and we can inspire one another, we can encourage one another. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, somebody who's listening, they're, they're hopefully are encouraged by this um, podcast, and, uh, and they want to... Um, they want to, to go out and face the world with hope. And yeah. so just as we kind of close the episode out today, kind of talk to that person, you know, and and uh, just what gives you hope? You know, there's a lot of things that, that like, you know, that honestly can bring us down. I've, I've struggled with, and I, I know you have mentioned that this is not an uncommon thing right now where a lot of us are struggling yes. with with hope uh, amidst all the the chaos and and the isolation so what um what uh what would you say to that person as we uh, close out today very often we measure things by what our senses take in the sky is cloudy it's raining and we wanted to go on a picnic and so we find ourselves discouraged or frustrated And often the thing we're missing in that moment is the fact that the weather is going to change. The circumstances are going to shift. And that when that happens, I want to be prepared. And I think everyone listening to me wants to be prepared for living that better life that comes by being part of a community of people who have faith in God, who believe in each other, who enjoy each other's company. Those are the things that give me hope, and I think they'll give all of you hope as well. Right now, if you don't happen to belong to a a, a faith group, if you don't happen to belong to a congregation, do some exploring. As Travis has said, there are Seventh-day Adventist congregations waiting to welcome you around the world in virtually every country and community. But there are also other uh, faith experiences that happen midweek. 
Bible studies in your area, Zoom Bible studies, other kinds of platforms where you can connect with people between weekend services. All of those things help build support and stamina as we wait for this pandemic to end and think of going back to life as normal. I'm not sure life is ever going to be as normal as we used to think it was. It's going to have changed in some important ways. One of the ways is we now know how much we need each other, not only in the wider culture, but in the community of faith. We need each other to live the abundant life that Jesus promised. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Adventology. Um, as we think about the the message that me and Bill talked about today, I really hope that you will take it to heart, that you will um, reach out if you have been isolated, if you are feeling um, disconnected from people that uh, are of faith that can support you. Uh, And if you are not attending a church, I would love to encourage you to come visit our church here in Daytona Beach. But there is a church in your local community as well that I'm sure would love to see you. Uh, We want you to continue to tune in. Uh, We want you to continue to listen and download and share, rate and review. It really helps this podcast when you rate and review it. If you haven't done so already, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Uh, If you have ideas, please share them with me. I'm really interested in what you are interested in. So email me at travis at adventology.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, we, we We want this podcast to be a resource for your growth, for your development, and ultimately for preparing you to see Jesus. That's what we all want. All right, well, that's it for today, and I look forward to seeing you back here on our next episode of Adventology. Until then, Maranatha.